You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Exactly. 
They are zying and whooshing out in Zoom land as well. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning morning and welcome to First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. My name is Reverend Arif Mamdani. I am the associate minister here and it is a joy to welcome you to church this morning. Leading worship with me today Reverend Jen Crow, Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout, Reverend Ashley Harness. Franco is sick today. Franco, we hope you feel better. Amy Bryant is back with us. Jen and John are working internet and sound, and there is a small army of ushers and greeters and chalice lighters, and let's not forget the other army of people here this morning teaching religious education. Yes, indeed. Huge thank you to Mary Johnson for the flowers this morning, and an even bigger thank you to all of you who are here. Take a minute to look around. We are truly a force to be reckoned with, gathering as we do in community to create for each other and ourselves this experience of beloved community where each one of us is held whole and holy and where our reverence for the earth calls us to its care and all the creatures that call it home. This is the life of faith that we invite you into when you journey with us. And if you are newish to this congregation, if you are intrigued by what you hear and what you are learning about us, I encourage you to learn more by coming to A Place to Start, which meets the first and third Sundays of the month after each service. You can see an usher or a greeter for more information about that. I also want to let you know that on November 6th and 13th, the Augsburg Fairview Academy team is collecting winter jackets and gloves, scarves and hats for Augsburg Fairview Academy students. Men's and women's clothing in all sizes, small to extra large as needed. AFA is a public charter high school located in the Phillips neighborhood serving students facing housing and economic insecurity, and they are a longtime community partner of this church. So November 6 and 13, uh, that collection is going to be happening. Finally, if you are in substance abuse recovery of any sort, I hope that you'll join a gathering this afternoon at 1 o'clock to explore how church can support your journey of recovery. Thus endeth the administrative portion of the service. (laughs) 
right? So let's do what we came here to do. Let's gather our hearts. Gather our spirits. I know that announcement-y things can kind of get me up in my head. So we can bring it back down into our hearts, into our bodies. We start by gathering and bringing our awareness to the land that we are on. Land whose stories and peoples predate this layer of culture that we live in right now by thousands of years. Land that is the homeland of native and indigenous people. Land that knew a time before any humans arrived. Layers of culture change by force or by intentional commitment to creation, they change. We embrace this truth, acknowledging the legacy of forced removal that we inherit, the continued absence of reconciliation, and the potential for repair and right relationship that is always present if we have the will and the courage to make it so. Remembering that in the words of Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, in a free society, some are guilty, but all are responsible. And as we acknowledge the land, so too are we aware of time. Today is October 30th, a time of year when the veil between this world and other worlds is thinner. If we listen, we can feel the presence of ancestors differently in this time. Whispers and echoes of the past that is our inheritance. The cheers of our ancestors who could scarcely dream of the times we are in today. We celebrate anniversaries today. Two in particular that I want to draw our attention to. October 16 to 18, 1859, and October 24, 1859. The founding of this church, then known as the Church of the Redeemer, October 24, 1859. And not even a full week before that, John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry. Separated by a thousand miles, bridged by telegraph, the Harper's Ferry Raid was front page news everywhere. It is inconceivable that the founders of this church weren't talking about it the night that they gathered to found the church that we inherit today. On one part of the country, a willingness to take up arms in the service of liberation now. And in another, a commitment to gather in community in the service of communion and community for the future. These are some of the ancestors' breaths that are singing to us. Some of the voices in the water that nourish our roots. Come, let us worship together. And will you join me in saying the words for lighting our chalice? Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. I'll try it again. The next hymn is so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay, it goes, we got to hold everybody. We got to hold everybody. We got to hold everybody up. We got to hold everybody up. 
We got to hold everybody. We got to hold everybody. We got to hold everybody up. We got to hold everybody up. Hold everybody up, up, 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 up. Hold everybody up. Hold everybody up. Yes, you have all the tools you need to succeed. Would you rise with me and let's sing? It goes, we got to hold everybody. We got to hold everybody up. We got to hold everybody. We got to hold everybody up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up. We got to hold everybody. We got to hold everybody up. We got to hold everybody. We got to hold everybody up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up. Just because you look like you and I look like me, it doesn't mean we can't be friends. You're not my enemy. Everybody got to hold everybody. We got to hold everybody up. We got to hold everybody. We got to hold everybody up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up. People all around the world sometimes seem so sad. But when others show they care, it doesn't seem so bad. Oh, we gotta hold everybody. We gotta hold everybody up. We gotta hold everybody. We gotta hold everybody up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up, up, up. Hold everybody up. Up, up, hold everybody up. Last time, last time, last time. We gotta hold everybody. We gotta hold everybody up. We gotta hold everybody. We gotta hold everybody up. Hold everybody up. Up, up, hold everybody up. Up, up, hold everybody up. Up, up, hold everybody up. Okay, not so fast, not so fast. Yes, 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 yes. Stay up. No, just stay up. Good morning, First Universalist. It's so good to be back. Thank you all for all of your prayers and, and well wishes. My niece is doing great. She's at home recovering, already at home. Thank you. Uh, so we are going to do a little artistic practice, something we do in theater sometimes, of embodying community. And so don't move yet, but I'm going to ask you if you are able, including those of you in the balcony, to walk around in the space. And as you're walking around in the sanctuary, if you're able to, look into the eyes of every person as you pass them. If you're not able to look people in their eyes, if that makes you too uncomfortable, then see if you can look at their forehead. And if you can't do that, you can still, your next instruction is like, once you make eye contact or forehead contact, then like give the person a nod or a, a, some kind of physical gesture that acknowledges, I see you and you are cool with me. You all got it? So uh, Glenn Thomas is going to be playing. When you hear the music playing, you walk. And when the music stops, you stop. And then I will tell you what to do next. Now, if you are not walking, if you um, want to stay in your seat, that is fine. But it is the job of all of us who are mobile in the space to every once in a while crab walk along the pew so that we make sure that we're near everyone, that everyone is included. And I'm gonna make sure that we do, I didn't do a good job of that earlier. <laughs> okay, here we go. When the music starts, walk around, make eye contact with everyone or forehead contact with everyone that you see.
So uh, in theater, we, we call this building ensemble. Ensemble is just a fancy word that means group. But for me, what ensemble is about artistically and in community is about becoming one body and one mind such that nobody wins unless we all win, which is kind of the uh, situation we're on on this planet right now. Don't forget to like walk through the rows every once in a while near someone who might be seated. And then when the music stops, you stop walking. Okay, now go back to back with someone close to you, someone that you're not acquainted with, if there's anyone like that near you. And if you're near someone who's seated, uh, yeah, you can face them or sit next to them. Yes, make your way to the folks who are still seated if you don't have a partner yet, please. Okay, so when I say go, you're gonna turn around, face your partner, and tell them your name and your pronouns. Go. It's going to be very tempting to start a conversation, but don't do it. And then when the music begins, we walk again. Looking into the eyes of everyone that we pass as we pass them. Like in a passing glance. <laughs> okay, go back to back with a different person. Hopefully someone that you don't know or not well acquainted with. Or find a person who's seated and partner with them, please. So this time, when you turn around and face your partner, this is a two-part exercise. <laughs> uh, you, I want you to tell your partner your favorite thing about being in the First Universalist community. If you're new to First Universalist today, please share with your partner what brought you to First Universalist today. And can you include a gesture that embodies what you're saying? Challenge. Okay, go. I hear a lot of talking. I don't see any gesturing. <laughs> okay, walking, leaving your partner behind. Walking, walking, the music is playing, we're walking. <laughs> I know, it's good to connect with people, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to move on. Yep. Keep including the folks who are seated, please. And this time, let's see if we can all stop walking at the exact same moment. Oh, challenge. Okay, back to back with a new person. Hopefully you found yourself near somebody that you don't know, or you can be a trio if you need. So um, if you're comfortable, like really sense into like the person's back, if your backs are touching, like next to yours, or if your backs aren't touching, just the energy of that person near you. I mean, we do this to like physicalize the fact that we have each other's backs, which is a big part of being in community with each other. Um, before I give you the last instruction, I know it's hard to stop talking 
you know. So um, as we go throughout the rest of the day um, at church and even outside of church, let's continue the practice of, like, looking into the eyes of people as we pass them and acknowledging that we see them. You could even speak. What? What? They don't do that in Minnesota. (laughs) And imagine, like, how it's going to continue to open up your heart to each other and we can like make ourselves all an ensemble worldwide what okay last instruction this time when I say go turn around face your partner and give them a blessing to take them through the rest of this year When you hear the music, please return to your seat. to an opportunity to settle more deeply into your space. The little piece of earth that is yours to steward right now where your body is. To acquaint yourself more deeply with the the surface beneath you and commune with the ground, the land, and with your own voice. Let's sing this song together. It goes like this. Circle round for freedom. Circle round for peace. For all of us imprisoned. Circle for release. Will you sing that with me? Circle round for freedom. Circle round for peace. For all of us? For all of us in prison. Circle for release. Circle for release. Circle for the planet. Circle for the planet, circle for each soul, circle for each soul, for the children, for the children of our children, our children, keep the circle whole, keep the circle one more time, circle round, circle round for freedom. Circle round for peace. Circle round for peace. For all of us imprisoned. For all of us imprisoned. Circle for release. Circle for release. Circle for the planet. Circle for the planet. Circle for each soul. Circle for for the children, for, for the, the children, children, keep the circle whole, keep the circle
So my name is Ashley. If we haven't met yet, I am one of your new assistant ministers, and I'm so honored to be here. I grew up about 10 minutes away from here and um, traveled to the East Coast for a while where I had the glorious experience of being on the subway in New York City at rush hour. Have you done that? Raise your hand if you've done that. Okay, we got a smattering. So this story is for you and the rest of you. So when you're on that subway, there is a crush, not a whoosh, deep breath, but a crush of humanity. And I used to just pretend it wasn't there. I would pretend those strangers were not pressed up against my body. I would pretend I couldn't smell whatever that was on the seat from the night before. I would pretend I would carve out that mental space with headphones because there was no physical space. But I had a mentor who was a seminary professor where I went to seminary, Reverend Dr. Hal Tausig, and um, he was a different kind of human. Um, he studies the earliest ancient community building and anti-imperial organizing practices of the people who later came to be known as Christians. He is a white, cisgender, straight guy who often speaks of queering religion and regularly and comfortably wore pink shirts with flamingo ties. He was absolutely as gentle as he was fiercely brilliant. Um, still is. And when he rode the subway, he meditated on the divinity of the people around him. Seriously. He would pick somebody to focus on and collect a kind of sacred image of them in his head. And then he would pray silently the mystical words from the Gospel of John. I dwell in you. You dwell in me. We dwell in God. Or we dwell in love. I dwell in you. You dwell in me. We dwell in love. He would do this over and over again in his head until he actually believed it about that person. And then he would move on to the next person. As long as his commute went, he continued it every day. And he would say that it softened and strengthened him at the same time to do this practice. So I want to invite you to do the same thing now, minus the crush of humanity and minus all the smells. Look around. Actually look around. You can do this. And if you are online, look at the names of the people who are in the chat and who are there that you can see. And if this is a little bit too much for you, it's okay to think of somebody in your head who you already know. It's okay if this is a little bit too intimate for you. But pick somebody and then close your eyes and hold an image of that person. And together, we'll just silently say the words, I dwell in you, you dwell in me, we dwell in love. I invite you to sit in the silence and say those words to yourself for just a minute. We dwell in love, always. And we hold in our collective body the ongoing struggles of anti-Semitism and anti-blackness being echoed by white supremacists everywhere. And yet, we dwell in love together. We pray that the grip of addiction be loosened that the weight of oppression be lightened, the truth be told, that joy break through, and that love make every suffering bearable for all of us. May it be so. Amen.
This is the time when we make concrete that promise of dwelling in love together. We practice giving and we practice receiving and we practice growing our circle of belonging and love wider and wider. We do this by sharing our resources that so together we might all have what we need as individuals and as communities. If this is a time when you need to practice receiving, please, please let us know so that we can offer you the congregation's support. And if this is a time when you need to practice giving, I invite you to do that in just a moment, following the instructions on the screen and online, um, or as the ushers come by with baskets. Today's offering goes to support the work and ministry of First Universalist Church. This is one of the many ways that we contribute and draw the circle of love wider and wider. Let us receive our offering. way to go. 
Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Lynn Thomas. Thank you, John Legend. <laughs> Ordinary people. Ordinary people with high aspirations. Ordinary people who need to take it slow. This month we've been thinking, talking, wondering together about what we know for sure. What can we count on? And this Sunday, we are talking about what can we count on as Unitarian Universalists in practice, trying to be Unitarian Universalists in our lives and in the world. What does the practice of Universalism look like? Ordinary people with high aspirations. So, as always, I want to get there by story together. So when I was about 15 years old, I was learning how to drive. I'd wanted to drive for forever, and I was really, really excited about this. And my dad was teaching me how to do it, and I did pretty well during the daylight hours, right? We'd get in the car. I'd even make it with my brother sitting in the back seat, and I would, every time I'd go to make a turn, I swear, my brother would slide down onto the floor of the car and start screaming, we're all gonna die, as I was learning to drive. But I would keep my cool, and I would take the turn at the right speed, and we'd be all right. But then when it would get to be a little darker outside, when dusk would come, and I couldn't see as far out, I would get really, really nervous. I'd get so scared that I would slow down to like driving at a crawling pace. And my dad would be there encouraging me to pick it up a little bit. He'd be like, you know, driving this slow is actually just as dangerous as driving fast. Come on, you gotta go. And I would still be nervous and he would, you know, he would listen. I'd say, I can't see, I'm afraid I'm gonna hit somebody, like somebody on a bike or somebody walking or another car and I'm gonna hurt them or me. And he would say, you don't have to see everything. You don't have to even be able to imagine everything. You just have to look out as far as the headlights go. Drive into that, the headlights will go a little further, drive into that, and keep going that way. That's the way you're gonna get home. So I love this image and this way of being in the world because I think that the fundamental practice of universalism is an ever-expanding heart an openness to ever-expanding in knowledge, in wisdom, in stories, in love, an ever-expanding heart. And as much as I want to go from here all the way to there and let my heart and my knowledge and my wisdom expand one million times at a time, really the way that I noticed it happening for me is like this, a little and then a little and then a little. 
We did some of that in our practices today. I dwell in you, you dwell in me, we dwell in love. It softens my heart and it expands it just a little and then a little and a little. An ever-expanding sense of love, of possibility of who is included. So you probably remember it was, it's been about six years in the making, right? This renovation of our building that we've been about to make this space, this place, more of a place of welcome and hospitality and accessibility that welcomes everybody in than it ever was before. It's a place we've really been working hard and it was last spring, you probably remember, we celebrated the renovation of the building and finishing up of our campaign. And I'll tell you, it was about spring, the new playground had been installed outside, right? It's something I feel really proud of and proud of us as a community. It's a, an accessible playground. It works for folks with all different kinds of mobility challenges. You can roll a wheelchair up onto the equipment. The kids and youth of our church chose this new playground. So I was out there looking at it and how much I liked it out there, and I started noticing something. I noticed that in order to get into that playground, you had to step down. Huh. I noticed that to get out into the courtyard where the playground is, you have to roll or walk over this really bumpy like door sill. There's no power buttons there to open and close the doors. Uh, if you can even get out there, you can't get down into the playground because of the steps. So okay, so you go through the courtyard, it's kind of bumpy over the labyrinth and like a fire pit that's there, and then you can roll, if you can get over those bumps, you can roll out into the parking lot and then come down the ramp into the playground. And I was looking at that, and I started to feel so very discouraged. Here we are. We did it. We provided this awesome, universally accessible playground, and we missed. There's more to do, more ways to expand that circle of welcome. And like I said, I was standing there feeling frustrated and disappointed and I started blaming myself and others like how did I not see this how didn't I notice why didn't somebody point this out before we got this far all in my head and then I took a deep breath and I took another deep breath and I remembered what I have learned here by listening to so many of you I remembered sitting just a few weeks before with some of the folks who are the elders of this congregation who had actually helped us move into this building 30 years ago. How we made this move and how they made that happen so that we would have a more welcoming and accessible space. A place that welcomed more people that actually had a parking lot where folks who needed it could use it. How when they arrived, they added the elevator to make the sanctuary and the building more accessible. And how proud they felt when they had done that and the sense of we've arrived, we've done it. And then, a few years later, here we are, massive capital campaign, renovating the building to make it more welcoming still. I remembered what they had gone through with that, and I remembered my dad's story. We go as far as we can, and then we go a little further, and a little further, and a little further. And that's how it is with a wide welcome. That's how it is with an ever-softening heart. I take so much comfort from the folks who have been on this journey for years and years, our faith ancestors. Arif mentioned that it is the anniversary, or was the anniversary of the founding of our congregation this past week on October 24th, 1859. Think about 1859. Here in this, what was at the time, the village really of Minneapolis, Minnesota had just become a state in 1858. All the histories I can find of our congregation start with something like, on the frontier town in the midst of wildness, which was true in some ways, but it doesn't recognize, it doesn't recognize the folks who were here before. It doesn't recognize the land and the beings that have been here before. But we recognize them now. We let the light shine. We go a little further in that wide welcome of memory and embrace.
But let's go back to that time, 1859. The Universalist ideas were truly heretical at that point. Christian still, but heretical. Instead of a God based in fear and punishment, God was understood to be a God of love. And heaven and salvation weren't just for some elect, predestined few, but for everyone, all of humanity, universalism proclaimed. What would that mean then? Immortal, inherent worthiness of each and every person. I love looking back at that time to that sense of ever-expanding love and knowledge and possibility. I go back and I enjoyed going back this week to Reverend Shudder, who was here in the 1880s and I think early 1900s. He was here a long, long time. And he talked about how while we might not, let's see, how did he talk about it? He talked about it as how happy Jesus would be, since he was still Christian, how happy Jesus would be that we were expanding the gospel to include things like what we could see through telescopes, what archaeologists were discovering, what the naturalists were discovering, that the gospel, as he was putting it, was ever-expanding. How our knowledge, our wisdom, our faith should be ever-expanding too. And how if we really did believe in the immortal worth of every creature, of every human being, he said this, the immortal worth of every human being. Put that idea, he said, put that idea under society, and it's no longer a machine for turning out dollars. This idea that every person is worthy, if we allowed that to be at our foundation, it would begin to thaw the icy maxims of political economy, he said. It would teach us that humans and human labor are not a commodity not to be bargained for in the marketplace as if they were a barrel of flour or a load of lumber. 1800s, civil war in America. People are more than labor, more than a commodity to be traded as if they were a barrel of flour or a load of lumber. If our understanding of who is human expanded to include enslaved Africans who were here, if our idea of who is human expanded to include native and indigenous peoples on this land, it would change how we acted, would change how we behaved. That was the call. So that circle of who was inside of God's love of immortal worthiness started to shift shifting from just European-American men to maybe including women, maybe including Native Americans, maybe including free and enslaved Africans here on this continent. The circle of love, of understanding, expanding and expanding and expanding. This week I located with Jen Stromberg's help our communion silver from the 1800s. It survived fire in the church. It survived all kinds of things. And I brought it out as a symbol for myself and for us of how we change. I spent some time on Friday polishing it up, just remembering the hands that have touched it, remembering this legacy we stand within, how radical it was to offer communion to all to say that all are worthy and loved. And now, we've moved away from those sacraments for the most part, but that center holds, a love big enough to hold us all, ever-expanding wisdom and compassion, the expectation of growth and change in our faith and in how we are together. The fundamental practice of universalism, I believe, is an ever-expanding love, drawing the circle wider and wider still, to not allow ourselves to be wrapped in shame of what we didn't know or how we didn't behave before, to let go of shame, and also to not allow ourselves to be satisfied with where we are, but to draw the circle ever wider still. 
May this be our practice and our prayer. Amen. I hope you will sing with us the hymn I'd like to teach you. It goes like this. There is a love holding me. There is a love holding all that I love. There is a love holding all I rest in this love. Will you sing it with me? There is a love holding me. All that I love. There is a love holding all that I love. There is. There is a holding us. May we know the larger love holding us all. And may we allow our hearts to expand to be that larger love for this world. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.